Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. Welcome to the Evolpreneur After Hours podcast. I am your host, Christine Campbell-Rappin, and I am on a complete and utter mission to help entrepreneurs navigate that messy world of startup, relaunch, high growth, and reinvention. Today, we are sitting down with my peer, who's going to share us some of the insights on his journey so that we can spark some conversation to get you the best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. Today, our special guest is Mel Lieber. Super excited to hear about his story because he's someone who had a reputation as a financial geek. His friends and family would often go to him for, can you look at my investments, which is always an interesting one when you get invited into the shadows. He started to notice a really consistent trend that people were making decisions that weren't maybe in their best interest. And yet, if they didn't take corrective action, it'd be too late to fix it. And they wouldn't have the life in their golden years that they were hoping for. So he decided it was not just enough to advise, but to jump in and play a bigger role. He started and is the founder and CEO of Financed Premium Growing. And he eats numbers for breakfast along with a bowl of Cheerios. And he is known for obsessive decisions with the market indexes and financial formulas. And what I love about him is it's not just about the money side. He's also got a great heart. He's a family man, an adventurer, an outdoor, ferocious volleyball player, which also sparks my interest. That's certainly my family's passion too. We spent a lot of time in and around the volleyball court. So a very warm welcome, Mel. We are grateful to have you with us here on the Evolvepreneur After Hours program. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to having a good time together and let's talk. <laughs> it's got to be great. So I always want to know to people, you know, you had people coming to you because you were had a passion for the numbers, but did you imagine that you would eventually start your own business in this industry? And if so, kind of when does the idea start planting a seed that maybe I need to do things differently and I could be an entrepreneur? Well, I'll tell you the truth. For me, I was kind of brought up in a family where there was an expectation that you were going to start your own business. There was an expectation you were going to go big. You know, my oldest brother has a hedge fund, which you know he makes ridiculous money in. And my other, my all my siblings started their own business. Everybody's in finance, and it was kind of that pressure was put upon me as to where will I find my place. But it's definitely as a little kid, you know, as a as a little eight-year-old, I was checking the New York Times every day to see how are my stocks doing, to see where it's going to be. Because that's kind of that was that was the talk of the dining room table by me. You know, was all about business, was all about finance, and I kind of saw this role from the beginning. Okay, well, that's fascinating to have a family in finance. I am curious now. I just have to ask the question: Did you ever consider something other than finance, or was it because you really had the love for it that no, I was always going to play in the world of money? You know, I think around like from somewhere around six, seven, eight, I switched from like firefighter to finance guy. <laughs> but since that, there was no looking back. I love it. Well, you know, I'm curious in the world of finance today because this is this is something I feel very passionately about, not just as a business owner, but as as a parent and as someone who um, you know works with businesses. There is such a massive lack of awareness, education, and understanding of the world of money. And I'm curious, you know, from your perspective of being in the industry, why is that the case and who's responsible for trying to bridge that gap? Because honestly, what you don't know about money hurts you enormously. 
and we have got a massive gap in the world right now. Well, that's something that actually, it's a little bit of a pet peeve on mine that you just uh, touched upon. I actually, you know, and it pains me to see in the school system how there isn't a focus of financial knowledge, basic financial investing, et cetera. I actually had one teacher, one class, one period in high school where there was a fellow, there was a, he was the Professor Rosner, whatever. He, he was a, had a CPA firm. He was a wealthy investor, and he has a act of charity of his time. He would come in to teach one class, to teach us a little bit about business. Because to be honest, your average teacher very often doesn't have the knowledge of real investing. I mean, they may know what some books say, but they don't really understand what's out there, and they don't necessarily really understand what's going on. So I think that's really, nowadays, the world's gotten a lot smaller. We have YouTube, we have internet, we have ways of getting information to the younger generation. And I think if the school's not going to do it, I think us as parents have to arrange that our kids will get that knowledge because it's of tremendous, tremendous importance. It is. I think it's so important to to normalize conversations about money. Money often is a is, is a private conversation in a family, which I find is fascinating. And I know it's fascinating in our own family. We talk about it with our kids who are happen to be young adults um, quite a lot and saying, let's talk about what your choices are. Let's talk about some of the options out there. And we, we do give them an opportunity to explore different philosophies of investing because the truth is nobody's responsible for you but you. So I'm curious. When you started to really notice that there was the gap and people were making decisions that weren't in their best interest, you wanted to approach your business with a different approach, saying, you know, I am actually going to take care of you, not just line my own pocket. Was that because of something you saw as a need or was it something people had an awareness to and started to say, I want somebody to do that on my behalf? Tell me a little bit about that philosophy choice for you. Well, I kind of saw it as a need by when I realized I was which area of finance I want to go into. And I started, you know, friends, family, et cetera, you know, started asking me to review certain things. Cause as I said, I'm just a natural geek when it comes to numbers. And like, you know, I have a financial calculator and I just somehow just better use it very quickly and very young. It's just kind of who I am. So I realized there's, problem in the world of finance and i'm not saying it doesn't apply other places i think it applies by the mechanic and the dentist as well that people are incentivized not necessarily to help you to the greatest degree there's different things that they could advise you and sometimes the best advice will pay the smallest commission and sometimes the not as good advice will pay the heavy commission and that's very often the case and I am a strong, strong believer that you got to do what's right for the client. And if you do what's right for the client, don't worry. I believe it on two on two stands. First of all, I believe God will take care of you and will make it best best for you. And even outside of the spiritual realm, so to speak, I think even the way that it works on simple business world is when you help out your clients and you do whatever is best for them, they're going to one day realize they're going to appreciate it. And that's the way to really grow your business to the greatest degree. I am 100% agree on both fronts. 
it's interesting because net, you know, when when people are um, aware of the money side, it's great. But often people feel quite intimidated by you know, lobbying up to saying, maybe I need to talk with a financial advisor. So how do you lay the foundation for people that maybe have never worked with one to step into a conversation with you or someone in the financial services industry? How do you lay that foundation? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Most of my business at this point is a referral-based business. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I kind of get to that place a lot easier than the you know, the cold call type of finding clients or putting up an advertisement somewhere to find clients where I am a untrusted stranger. Usually I'm coming to the conversation where I've already helped out their brother. I've already helped out their sister. I've already helped out their good friend. And therefore I'm already generally coming in as that trustworthy person. Not always, but I'm generally coming in like that. And thank God I have a very strong reputation behind me that also gives off that idea. So people are usually pretty comfortable um, coming forward and talking to me. And then often once they start talking to me about their finances, I become their financial therapist. <laughs> because once, once they start opening up and and my son and I do this and I give him so much money and what should I do with him? He always needs more and more money. And, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm there also to hear about it once so. Once I'm listening to the numbers, I can hear the story too. <laughs> I think that's it, great to see that. And I'm curious because, you know, referrals are such an important thing for any service. And a service, you know, particularly like this, which has such a big opportunity and such a big potential or perceived risk. So I'm curious because referrals aren't necessarily the most stable way to gain new clients. And, you know, you talk about some of your business challenges as, you know, the flow of consistent business. So what are you doing to, to, shore up or to gain consistent client growth in a business that has ebbs and flows, often different seasons, people talk about more of their money, like tax time and other times of the year. How do you kind of build a stable foundation? What's the, some things that you're doing or some of the challenges you faced? So as you mentioned, that is totally true. I noticed sometimes I have so many referrals coming in and so much business and I could barely handle everything. And I will put in hours till very late at night handling all the business because I always want to take care of everybody. And then like two months later, I'm like, hmm, what do I do now? <laughs> and, that, and that's definitely a reality. And that's kind of the way it is. To what I'm attempting to do, actually, I'm in the process of doing now to try to deal with that. Once again, I told you it's mostly referrals, which is not consistent. So I am in the process now of redoing my website because my website was like seven years old, which according to some of my friends in website years is like 96. <laughs> it's like the dinosaurs. <laughs> and um, what I'm doing is after I redo that, I'm planning on putting out some YouTube ads that will lead people to webinars or just informational pieces which will allow them to book calls on my calendar. So that is my strategy that I am planning on implementing once my website is done, because I need a greater online presence, because most of my referrals is not as important. I'm sure it is important. It's not so important, that online presence, but I'm sure there is importance. So that is what I am. At, my plan is, my next stage of attempting to, when 
times are slow, crank on those YouTube ads. And when times are getting busy, shut off the YouTube ads. So that's my goal. YouTube's a really interesting channel. I know I've had an opportunity to meet with somebody who really is successful in the space of YouTube ads and helping people do it. So if you don't have a resource, there's a great guy we've met here on the Evolvepreneur After Hours program. But it's interesting because you know, I, I think every business understands that if referrals are your current engine, building new audiences is an important, critical, strategic investment. And so that can be an investment in technology. You mentioned webinars. The truth is your business, to some extent, to be consistently growing will be built on strangers. And sometimes that's a referred stranger, but sometimes it is a complete stranger. And so people are looking at um, you know, your digital presence for are they legitimate? And just having some ability to find you goes a long way. Not everyone is focused on that, which I still find truly shocking, but it's true. So I'm curious, you know, what what do you think, you know, if you were playing the consumer hat here, what do you what would you look for to establish whether someone is trustworthy and you know, someone you want to go forward with and say, step inside my financial wilderness help figure out what's going on in here so i've actually given quite a bit of thought to this i think the first thing off the bat is we all judge things based on our hunch and initial feeling the question is what drives that hunch and initial feeling but i think a lot of that a lot of people will not even be able to sum up in words why this person looks trustworthy and that person doesn't but I think one thing that I'm going for, and this is what I'm going big in my new website that I'm that I'm posting, is I'm having a lot of a lot of client testimonials because thank God I have a lot of very happy, satisfied clients. Some of them leaving video testimonials, some of them with written testimonials, and I putting up also a lot of clients have gave me the go ahead to put up their annual statements of their performance, obviously with their names and whatever information blacked out. But a lot of my clients that gave me the go-ahead to post that on my new website. So I think from the fact that I'm going to have real people and, you know, so, and I think even some of the videos are of like low quality. I actually think that actually in a way might be advantageous <laughs> because they don't look like... Uh, then... My more productive brain would say for sure that's true because yeah. people don't want the slickness. They want... A relatable person. Uh, so I definitely would say yes, you're on the right track there. I, and I love it because social proof is really important. You know, social proof has so much bearing on our confidence, on our commitment to take an action step, whatever that action step might be. I'm curious, you know, right now, who is your ideal client? Who do you love to work with? Okay. So my most common type of client that I very much enjoy working with is either a small business owner or a high earning executive. Like I have, I would say attorneys are my most common client. And somebody is making around, you know, let's call $300,000 a year or so would be the, once again, it varies obviously, but that would be like the most client who is looking to really step up who realizes, you know, putting uh, $5,000 a, a year away into my IRA is just not going to do it for me to get to my real retirement goals and wants to do something that's going to actually grow in a much greater way and 
you know, something that's going to be the most tax advantage, the highest growth. And these people are able to put away, you know, $25,000 a year into retirement. So that's usually my most common client. And, um, you know, that's definitely who I do a lot of, spend a lot of time working with. I love working with my ultra high net worth clients as well, you know, but they are not as common as you may expect. You know, I only have a handful of the ultra high net worth, but those clients who we am able to work with them on their estate planning. So that's always fun and challenging. And I always love playing with loopholes. It's, uh, it's very enjoyable for me. I just really like it. <laughs> but once again, I can't, I mean, I, I do get compensated a lot with those clients, but I, you know, I don't want to be the game of the, all the suits chasing after the one really wealthy guy. So a couple of, so a couple of my regular clients have turned into those ultra high net worth clients and stayed with me, you know, one or two I've gotten my way to, but I don't want to spend my life chasing after those guys. I want to be able to help regular people. But when I, when I'm with, when I, when I do have those, those ultra high net worth people as clients, I really enjoy it. So I'm curious because you talk about, you know, their, their retirement plan. Uh, I often think of it like the freedom number. Do people have good clarity on what is their freedom number to have the security or the vision? Um, and it's always surprising to me how many business owners don't have a clear idea of their freedom number and yet they're working really, really, really hard. So I'm curious in your place as a business owner who's been in, in the business now, seeing success, seeing momentum build, having a clear vision of, I know I can do serving of more people. What does success look like for you in the next couple of years? So to be honest, I would consider the continuation of what I'm doing as success. I am actually pretty satisfied with how my business is going. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to grow it further and I'm happy to grow it further. But thank God I'm able to support my family plus put a large amount, of, you know, a large amount of money into savings. Mm-hmm. While take a little secret, I work under 30 hours a week. So I'm pretty happy. That doesn't mean I'm not I'm but I'm a go-getter. So I'm looking to grow further and more and more and more. So I I'm going to go for it and I'm going to work to grow my business further. But I, you know, I think if I would just continue doing what I'm doing, that's still considered success. Well, I, I think it is great success because I think sometimes what we hear when we start the world of entrepreneurship is we hear a lot about time and financial freedom. And this is always my, my, my pet peeve, if you will, with business owners because they're like, you know, or financial advisors because like, yeah, people are looking for time and financial freedom. But it's not that we're not looking for that, but usually there's more of an immediate need. And the immediate need is what we're solving for when we are business owners trying to attract new clients into our business. And time and financial freedom is the afterglow of what comes when we have the short-term needs met. It is the longer-term horizon. And working to the life, to the hours that you want is success. It's certainly success by my measure by a mile. Because I said, it's not enough to just hustle 100 hours a week. You might get incredibly well compensated, but what life do you have when you particularly you're a family man. And so I'm sure your family loves having you around, not just working 24-7. So I'm curious, as you look to your horizon and we wrap our conversation today, what is the roadblock or the thing that you know you need to focus on to help you continue building momentum, sustain the momentum you have, and love the journey you're on? 
Okay, so that's a great question. I would say that what I know what I need to do is get those consistent leads that I don't end up during my, we'll call low times, sitting there without much to do. And um, also I would like to be able to, which I haven't actually been so successful with, is I only have a couple of large business clients where, you know, I'll have a, a law firm with 20 attorneys, for example. So I would love to get more of that. Every time I get involved in that, I get close to a deal, I get close to them signing up for something or setting up something. All of a sudden, somebody's nephew shows up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I would love to be able to, to get that done. And in order to maintain, you know, happiness and peace of mind and et cetera, is I have to always, I should always keep my mindset of don't overdo it and don't sell away my, all my free time for my business because I don't want to forget what's important. Listen, my, I have five children and they're only going to be young, you know, for a certain point in life. I don't want to waste these years working uh, as a client, somebody I just met with an attorney who was, I guess, his view was boasting to me that he works, he's been working 70-hour weeks the last 30 years. I felt that to be a, uh, a negative and you know, not a very impressive thing. He felt it was, I mean, I guess if he's happy, good for him. But that's not what I want, and that's something that I have to be careful to not fall into. I think it is always the trade. And that's when we really, you know, from from my perspective and what I do as a business advisor, it's like we've got to make sure the scaling is in a way that's sustainable because it isn't just about the hours. It is definitely about making sure the lifestyle. So one final comment here, and it's the tip for the people that we've been talking about serving. It's those that are looking for financial security, financial understanding, and financial hope as we head into 2023. Um, what would be your best advice for somebody looking to up their financial knowledge? What would you give for guidance to our audience? Okay, so first of all, the off the bat is start saving today. And don't when I say saving, I do not mean savings account. I mean save money off what you earn and invest it. And it doesn't need to be fancy. You can just put the money in the S&P 500, get a Vanguard account. And if you have bigger financial needs, you're putting more money away, then talk to me or somebody else like you. But if even if you're starting off small, so just get a Vanguard account, put it in the S&P 500. Nobody needs to make any money off you. And just keep on going and going and don't stop saving today. What you could do today, in 10 years, you'll never be able to do compounding interest is so powerful it's so strong don't give up on the years and if you're spending so much that you have nothing left there's a problem and try to fix it true story compounding really is the eighth wonder of the world and i absolutely agree you will always regret time in the financial plan start today whatever amount you can Guys, I love it. Mel, thanks for coming and being our guest today. This is another episode of the Ballpreneur After Hours podcast. Before you go, a couple of things. If you love this episode, please give us a five-star review. And if you are a business owner who wants to share their story and the insights they have learned on their journey, we'd love to have you as our guest. 
Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. And remember that today is the perfect day to make the decisions that create the future you dream of. Mel, thanks for being our guest. Guys, we will see you on another episode real soon. Mm-hmm.